Gambo. And when we go live at 2 p.m. today, the NBA trade deadline will have come and gone. We'll be reacting to the Phoenix Suns' position after the deadline, starting at 2 on Arizona Sports. Well, you know the rule here. We're doing the re-air. Put the phone down. There'll be none of that 2 a.m. Durant nonsense, okay? Like, I'm not driving back down to Clara Barton to fix the show because you have to send a Woj bomb. Are we clear? You good? That, that was that was literally, that was 365. Yeah, I, uh, we know Wednesday this. night. Right, I'm done. None I of that. Yeah. None of that, Woj. Scott Van Pelt, Adrian Wojnarowski on uh, SportsCenter last night. Yeah, it's been a year. Tomorrow's the one-year anniversary. Of that Woj bomb that denounced Kevin Durant, a member of the uh, Phoenix Suns, mm-hmm. and I remember, uh, I remember it vividly. We were at Radio Row, Super Bowl. I woke up to that news. Everybody did. The Valley woke up to news that we had Kevin Durant. I thought was... I saw something on the crawl of the TV when I turned it on, and I had to, I had to rub my eyes. Stop rubbing your eyes, Marana! Yeah, right? And uh, it became a reality. I, look, I don't think we're getting anything close I... to the bombs that we got last year. I, uh, listen, I don't turn tel- uh, the television on um, in the morning or during the day generally, but that morning I was driving to the convention center where we did our radio show, and the first update I heard was, the Suns have acquired Kevin Durant, and I darn near drove off the road. Seriously, <laughs> darn near drove off the road. Jordan uh, woke me up. He burst into the bedroom because right. it was, what, like 11, 15 hour time or whatever. Yeah. I was fast asleep, and I thought it was like a fever dream. When yeah. I woke up the next morning, I was like, wait, did that? Did I that know. really Wait, happen? That happened. It really happened. Yep. Um, really did. Will the sun like we we're past that threshold now? The 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 last late night before the trade deadline is over. Nothing happened overnight. Mm-hmm. Will something happen between now and one p.m. Arizona Ooh. time? And a lot of the focus is on the name Miles Bridges, which is it's becoming more interesting, at least just from a basketball standpoint. Miles Bridges scored 45 points last night in a loss for the Hornets. Mm-hmm. He has scored back-to-back games of 40 points or more, both losses. The Hornets mm-hmm. are horrible. There's only seven players in the entire league that have done that this year, yeah. and he's one of them. Yeah. Will he be moved? Yeah, listen, Will he be moved I, yeah. to Phoenix? Yeah. It, it, my read on this, and, and I, I don't know, but it's just in reading this, the fact that he played last night, the fact that he's playing really well, and more to the point, the fact that he's going on record as saying he wants to stay in Charlotte. Yeah. To me, it, to me, that's the key here. Um, when Kevin Durant came here, it was uh, it it blew us away, but it wasn't a surprise. We had I had somebody telling me Kevin Durant was obsessed with Phoenix, so I, I thought if Miles Bridges was going to happen for Phoenix, it was going to begin with Miles Bridges going. That's where I want to be. Yeah, I want to play for that owner who has got Sparty written all over him, and I want to play with that crew. Uh, that's where I'm gonna get, and I don't sense that from Miles Bridges. I don't. I don't guess that it's Phoenix or bust for Miles Bridges. No, I don't think so either. And in that same conversation uh, prior to that soundbite we played between Scott Van Pelt and Adrian Wojnarowski, Woj said this: "This is an interesting one, Scott. Miles Bridges in Charlotte. This is a player who, uh, you know, has you know came back this season essentially out all of last season." Uh, but he has had back-to-back 40-point games. Charlotte had talked with a few teams about him, but I think Miles Bridges uh, is very, very likely going to be with uh, the Hornets past the trade deadline tomorrow, and then this is an organization that would like to re-sign him this summer. Yeah, that's where all mm-hmm. the it, it, the evidence is, and if you go back to the timeline of, of what happened off the court with Miles Bridges, 
News of his arrest broke the night before free agency started. Miles Bridges was on the cusp of a max deal. That's right. With the Charlotte Hornets. That's right. He was suspended all of last year. He had 20 games served on that suspension, missed 10 for the 30-game suspension, came back on a qualifying offer. He's happy there. He's already playing for the Hornets. They're not dealing... I, I'm sure they're dealing with it to a, to a degree, but they're not dealing with the PR hits the same way a team going out and seeking Miles Bridges services would be, which doesn't make all that much sense to me anyway. Mm-hmm. But if Miles Bridges stays in Charlotte, gets past February 20th, which is when the, the next uh, hearing is on, on his off-the-court matters, if he comes out of that okay... He's going to get paid this offseason yes, by the Charlotte yeah, Hornets. That, yes, that is very accurate. And this, and so what I think is the net effect of all of this is having these back-to-back monster games has created, has certainly has created a feeling in Charlotte because you know we're all paying attention to this stuff now that you can't give this guy away for pennies on the dollar. You can't give up this guy and then give us. Fill in the blanks. Nasir Little and Josh Akogi in return. Mm-hmm. That's the feeling in Charlotte. They they would feel like that was organizational malfeasance. So even even if the Hornets were inclined not to give him his money and thereby inclined to move him someplace, there's a great deal of pressure to get something of actual value. And and what the Suns would be giving them would not reach that threshold. Yeah, as of today, Hoops Hype has kind of a synopsis of all the trade rumors. And on the Suns, uh, they just published this this morning. Suns are looking to upgrade on the wing and have expressed interest in several players, including Miles Bridges, Royce O'Neal, Sean Tate, and others. No big surprise there. Mm-hmm. Nasir Little and multiple second-round picks have been dangled in trade talks for O'Neal and Tate League sources told Hoops Hype. I think there's a lot of teams that are interested in Royce O'Neal. He's just kind of a yeah. He's a, a, I like a pro's pro. Yeah. He does what you need to win basketball yeah. games. He, I, that's a guy that I think could help the basketball team. Yeah, and again, if it's uh, you know we we were advocating for you know maybe a bigger chance for Nasir Little, maybe mm-hmm. that that chance happens if a trade doesn't go down. But if you can get Royce O'Neal and that's all it's going to cost you, I'd be okay with that. Yes. And with Royce O'Neal, you would acquire his bird rights too, so yeah. it would be possible to bring him back right after this year, where Miles Bridges would be strictly, you know, a, a, a several a, month rental, a, a rental player. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. And again, and I think that there's I, I, there's a lot of weirdness that would go along with that because you know, you, first of all, if that deal did go down, say say it for for whatever reason happens today, there's going to be the weirdness that that exists until that court date, until there's resolution. And it's it's going to be one of those it's going to be one of those moral dilemmas for sports fans in the valley. Can you separate the art from the artist? What do you do with the art of monsters? As I like to say, not that I'm calling him a monster, but hey, the shoe fits. I, I still say. think that would yeah. be a great album name. Well, the art of monsters. Yeah, yeah. That's in Lady Gaga's lane because she's got her little monsters. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, so I, I, I really believe the Miles Bridges thing probably appealed to this team, um, and maybe still does, just based on we can we can steal a talent like that. I don't think that's the calculus anymore, especially no. after these last two games. Well, the Hornets are probably thinking, do we want to trade him now? Yeah, right. He's got two back-to-back forty-point yeah, games. Right. right. Yeah, and he's an exciting player, and so and so. You know, the more he does that, the more the fans in Charlotte are going to be pressuring the team to keep him. And so, uh, which which would be, I think, would be fine. I I I don't necessarily think, uh, even though he would be a great value 
add for a few months. I don't think that what he would bring to the team is anything of close to need. So there's that. So if they can pull off the Royce O'Neal thing, I, I, I think that would be a success. Yeah, I think so, too. You can text your thoughts on it to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, prep continuing for both the Chiefs and the 49ers in Vegas for the Super Bowl. We'll get into some of the chaotic storylines next. Vic Lee and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Wolf. Super Bowl 58 is just days away, so how well do we know both of these teams? We'll test our Super Bowl smarts on today's Wolf and Luke show, 10 to 2 on Arizona Sports. Um, Not necessarily. I think uh, I just like winning. If, if you win a lot and, and that causes you to be a villain, then I'm, I'm okay with it. But at the end of the day, I'm going to enjoy playing the game and try to win as much as possible. The villain. Patrick Mahomes. Feels weird to say that. Like, I, mm-hmm. I have a great deal of Chiefs fatigue heading into yeah. the Super Bowl, and I think I'm not alone. Right. Uh, but, I, I mean, I don't find Patrick Mahomes... To be villainous? Villainous or unlikable. I mean, it's a pleasure to watch him play. I don't play. know. He kind of comes off as a jerk in the most valuable uh, bundler commercial. Doesn't he? Kind of a little, kind of arrogant there in that commercial. I don't know. Yeah, and what he does to uh, Travis Kelsey's... Self-esteem and the Ma-Auto commercial. Ma-Auto, yeah. right, yeah. And withholding nuggies from his head coach. <laughs> you know what? Jerk. He is a jerk. Jerk. Total jerk face. No, I'm with you. It's, it, again, it, this is, this is it, it's a fascinating thing, and it really says way more about us as sports fans than it does about Patrick Mahomes and who he happens I, to be. I love this show. This show just included the phrase withholding nuggies. Withholding nuggies. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. So listen, there's, and if you want to hate on Patrick Mahomes' family, feel you got free. other options. The, the brother, you got the dad, the you brother, got the brother, his wife. Listen, there were reports of some dude climbing up the sphere in Vegas yesterday. Oh, it, it took was... a minute for people to go, what did Patrick Mahomes' dad do now? <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I got a cold. No, I saw yeah. the same. What did Jackson Mahomes do? I saw yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, so like so, so there's really nothing about Patrick Mahomes other than he's a little cheese ball. And again, it's it's he's got some Larry Fitzgerald in him where he goes out of his way to kind of be friendly to guys on field on the field yeah. to, to kind of limit and, and make them, you know, mm-hmm. not want to take his head off, if you will. He's not the first one to do that, but I, I think he's been real sturdy and studly and awesome in this postseason. Just the fact that he is going if he if he feels like an obstacle that nobody can beat, that that everything is hopeless for everybody else in the NFL, that's where you're gonna get the villain tag. You're the villain because you're stopping me from getting what I want. Mm-hmm. Not because you're a villain, but because I deem because you're stopping me from what I want from my football team. And on the flip, and there's a big difference. On the flip side of it, too, there's been so much talk about Brock Purdy. What a Super Bowl win would mean. Would it quiet all the game manager noise? Would it quiet down the Mr. Irrelevant noise? Certainly that would be big steps taken mm-hmm. in, in those directions. But Brock Purdy, this is pretty interesting, talked about, you know, even when he got the opportunity last year due to injury and ineffectiveness with, with the 49ers' other quarterbacks, he knew he had to come back this year and really prove himself. Earlier this year, 
you know, there's not a lot of talk or buzz uh, really about, I guess, myself. And not that I listen to it and buy into all of it, but um, it's almost like all right, I still have to go and, and, and play with that chip on my shoulder and prove to my teammates that you know I can be the guy for this team. I feel like I had some stuff to prove still. Um, obviously, last year I played seven, eight games or whatever that was, and, and it was all good, but it wasn't a whole season. So there's a lot of questions. And so for me, it was, all right, I still got to go out there and prove to myself, you know, I, I can do this and, and to my team that I can be the guy. So, um, yeah, there wasn't a big, you know, spotlight on me or anything like that. So, like, you sort of want to make a name for yourself kind of thing, you know, throughout the year and, and early on. So, um, I feel like it has been sort of, of an, an advantage for sure. Yeah, Brock Purdy's former high school mm-hmm. coach, Preston Jones, is going to join us at 745 to talk about kind of the origin story, if you will. But about proving himself. I don't know if you saw it. I'm sure you did. It, it went pretty viral after the NFC Championship game. The shot, it was just a shot of Brock Purdy facing a camera and having a conversation with Nick Bosa. And Nick Bosa was just kind of in awe of, it basically told him, I'm kind of in awe of what you did this year it, with your role, with the pressure on you, with this team ready-made for a Super Bowl. And that was a, a, a big question. Is Brock mm-hmm. Purdy enough? And he proved it time and time again. Guy doesn't lose many football games. So I think he's gone above and beyond, quote-unquote, proving himself. Mm -hmm. But if you want to take it a step further, and Monday morning we come in here, Bick, and we're talking about a San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl victory, one in which Brock Purdy played very well and outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Man, you want to talk about wiping away narratives. And I know it's not quarterback versus quarterback, but no, that's but, the way but, the whole world uh, views well, it. Well, of course. And again, I, I think if you go back and you look through the annals of Super Bowl history, the games that really get sideways are the games that feature that gigantic discrepancy between mm-hmm. starting quarterbacks. Um, listen, I, there's a couple things that, as I said before, I think the, the shift in perception over the last couple of weeks and, and the way people are now looking at this game, it, it's stunning to me because there was a time when it was the 49ers who were just rolling through everybody. And, you know, they get on top of you, they destroy you. And there was a time when the Chiefs looked very vulnerable. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw uh, if you saw a San Francisco blowout in this game. I, I think everything is on the table in this particular game because I think the narratives have shifted to the point where I think people are confused about what's what. And, uh, okay, look, you, you, what, what derailed the Chiefs the last time that they were um, in a Super Bowl? The offensive line. They went up against Tampa and Bruce Aarons. I tell you, baby, let's go get the quarterback. And it was the biggest storyline leading up to that game as well, and it completely played out yes, that way. It, did. it was the, the, the banged up offensive and, and, line of and, Kansas yeah, City. Compromised offensive mm-hmm. line of Kansas City, and the Buccaneers yep. feasted on it. Yes, they did. Patrick Mahomes got. The Demolished. stuffing beat yes, out of him in that did. game. They managed what three field goals in yeah, that game? Yeah. yeah. So it, it's so the, there are times in this game when defenses shine. You talk about Sean McVay's Rams not a, able to get any traction against the Patriots. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it, it's part of part of the allure of this game is that the, the, there's been a dramatic shift in perception as to who the Chiefs are and who the 49ers are, and it's it's almost as if the the favorite and the underdog have just kind of change clothing. Okay, we're going to be the underdog now. You're the favorite because you're a quarterback. And it may come down to that. It, it really might come down to that. And and if it does come down to that, if Patrick Mahomes just 
rolls through this team and cuts up this team again, it's it's going to be it's it's going to be disheartening for everybody in the AFC. First of all, and, and second of all, it's going to make the Chiefs look pretty darn smart for what they did in the roster composition of that football Absolutely. team. Absolutely. A, a way, month ago, people were like, "What did they do? They stripped all the weapons away." Could you do you imagine that this Chiefs team once had Tyreek Hill on it? Uh huh. Can you imagine once upon a time when Tyreek Hill left? People were like, "That's the that's the end of the Chiefs." Yeah. Right, and you know, and back then, those those Chiefs teams didn't really care about building a defense in full because they were they were assuming mm-hmm. if you beat us, you're going to have to score a ton of points, which yes. means you're not going to run the ball against us, which means we're not going to invest on defensive tackles. We're just not, and and they really never cared about stopping the run because of the way they were their roster was composed, and they they didn't about face, and I think they did it yeah. after Tyree Kill bailed. By they the way, decided we're not sending when we're not paying Tyreek Hill. That's when everything changed for Kansas City in terms of how they built this uh-huh. team. Patrick Mahomes has played against the San Francisco 49ers three times, including the Super Bowl, three and zero high scoring games every time. I don't expect that this time. Mm. Uh, listen for your name today at eight twenty, twelve twenty, and four twenty for a chance to qualify to win a trip for two in Arizona Sports Destination Detroit. A chance for you to witness the Cardinals make their number four pick and others in the uh, NFL draft. Once you hear your name, make sure you call in within 10 minutes. If you haven't registered yet, you still can. Just text the word DRAFT to 620-620. That will get you registered again. DRAFT to 620-620. Don't miss out on Arizona Sports Destination Detroit. Brought to you by Bud Light. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell takes us through the big stories on this Thursday morning. In the Rush Hour Reboot, here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Here we go, friends. Happy Thursday. It is the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And this Thursday is also the NBA trade deadline. We're about to get into uh, what the Suns could or may not do at the deadline, which hits at 1 o'clock today. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. With Vince Murata. Oh, Maron. What? Maron. Oh, Maron. Maron. Holly Walnuts. I'm just doing Sopranos uh, drops from now on. Yeah, yeah. oh, That's it. it. That's it. all okay. I'm doing. Got it. Jared Carlin's here, too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, the coach who recruited Brock, Brock Purdy. That was Brock Purdy when they asked him about Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. And then that was the coach that, of course, recruited him in college. Uh, yeah, that said, college. I knew. Herm's I influence, knew undeniable. That's right. The difference in those two sound bites is that Brock Purdy was asked a question that absolutely required an answer like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. All right. Let's get into it. Trade deadline, 1 o'clock today, Arizona time. Of course, Miles Bridges has been the name thrown around the most uh, around the Suns fan base, at least. Obviously, very mixed reactions there. Um, Some fans think he is the answer for a championship roster. Others don't want him anywhere near the team. Well, the latter might be getting good news because last night, late last night, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski told Scott Van Pelt that he thinks Miles Bridges is very likely 
staying in Charlotte. This is an interesting one, Scott. Miles Bridges in Charlotte. This is a player who, uh, you know, has, you know, came back this season, essentially out all of last season. Uh, but he has had back-to-back 40-point games. Charlotte had talked with a few teams about him, but I think Miles Bridges uh, is very, very likely going to be with uh, the Hornets past the trade deadline tomorrow, and then this is an organization that would like to re-sign him this summer. Okay, how do you guys feel about that? On one hand, you don't have to deal with the off-the-court stuff, but then you're also missing out on the the on-the-court stuff. Right. Yeah, listen, I'm okay with it. Like I said, I I think I I didn't want the vibe that was going to come with this thing, especially if if things don't go his way in that that hearing on Feb 20. And and even though he would be a a really good addition for what it would cost you, I'm not sure the Suns need another offensive player. I feel the same exact way. Can the Suns win a championship without adding Miles Bridges? Remains to be seen, mm-hmm. but if they said, alright, they're getting Miles Bridges, shoot, you know, start planning the parade. I don't feel that way either. Mm-hmm. Um, so they could probably use those same assets to get something else that might help them a little bit more with some of the things they need. And I agree with Bick. They don't they don't need more scoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, on yesterday's show, we talked about the deadline with uh, ESPN's Bobby Marks on Bickley and Murata Mornings, and he said this could be kind of a boring deadline across the NBA. I feel like I'm a fisherman out to sea right now with the best bait in the world, and I'm just waiting for fish to catch because there's nothing, there's really, it's a slow market. And, yeah. you know, when you look at Phoenix and you look at Milwaukee and you look at I guess the Clippers or, you know, all these teams, Golden State, certainly everybody's kind of kind of in the same boat waiting for, you know, waiting for the right deal and to, 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 to appear here. I think there'll be trades, but it's not going to be the, the high level guys that we've we've already seen here. I can relate to Bobby Marks feeling that way, by the way. That's exactly yeah. how I feel at the nightclub. I'm sitting here with all the best bait in the world. Foot out the bait. No one's oh biting. Boy. Oh, boy. Goodness gracious. Okay, what what is the ideal trade deadline outcome for the Suns today? Will you be disappointed if they don't make any moves at all? No. No. No, I, I disappointment's not the right word. I, I don't, there's nothing out there. I, I mean, Royce O'Neal, I think, would be a very, very good addition. But are you going to be crushed if Royce O'Neal no. doesn't end up in no, Phoenix? Not. No, neither a, am I. A nice to have, not a need to have. Yes, yeah. All right. Exactly. Again, that's a one o'clock deadline today, Arizona time. So make sure you are tuned in all day long on 98.7 in the Arizona Sports app for any possible breaking news. Hey, let's talk about the Coyotes again, shall we? We discussed yesterday uh, a dailyfaceoff.com report that said Arena News is imminent and coming perhaps as soon as this weekend. Well, Coyote's Twitter was back at it last night. The official account put out a series of tweets, um, interesting tweets, starting with Arizona versus everybody. The next one, we have every intention of staying in Arizona and bringing a Stanley Cup to this great state. So much love for all of you supporting us. We can't let you all down. The next tweet, if you didn't hear it from me, hashtag fake news. And then the grand finale from the Coyotes. An announcement with our plan to stay in Arizona will be coming out soon. We have narrowed our list of sites down and remain extremely bullish that we will have a resolution on our home in the desert soon. Nobody wants to get this done more than us. As Jim Cramer would say, bye, bye, bye. As in B-U-Y, not yeah, Ben not like... Bye, bye, bye. 
Um, what do you guys think about those tweets? Hey, listen, I, I I appreciate the bravado and I appreciate the sentiment, but I, I'm still having a hard time of understanding why the commissioner is saying that the Coyotes have put in a bid for a piece of land and, 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 and have focused on one piece, and the Coyotes are saying they still have multiple options. I, I don't understand that. I, I don't get how it, both those things can be true. And, and then there's also the fact that it, it, this this state trust land, it this is going to take a while to get this thing going. There is a uh, there is a process that I don't think can be expedited, and and you've got the NHLPA on the warpath about this. Mm-hmm. I I don't know, man. I really don't. I, I I hope the Coyotes. I hope the bravado that they're showing and how they're just kind of clucking at all the skeptics. I really hope they're right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the way you started, what your answer there. I appreciate the bravado, and it's certainly when you get past the bravado of all of that. Mm-hmm. Are they in a posi- position to be that brave? I don't know, but we've been through this before. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think I feel a lot very similar to how a lot of Coyotes fans feels. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Because we've been talking about this for 16 years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I'm like you said. both hopeful that uh, and, and reasonably reasonably confident that he's going to do what he says. Yeah, that's Gary Bettman from 2008. <laughs> no, that's just Gary joking. Bettman from two days ago. Right, you, could fi- right, right. you could find similar quotes mm-hmm. in 2008, I though. I don't. Re- reasonably confident. Yeah, that he pregnant pause was too much. Well, yeah. listen, it, it's, <laughs> and I, but I appreciate that in Gary Bettman. Yeah, of all the commissioners, he, he seems to me to be the most authentic. I would put Adam yeah. Silver, but he's not human. Oh, well. He's not carbon-based, but he's authentic in in whatever he's made of. (laughs) Authentic goop. Okay, finally to the NFL. (laughs) We heard from Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City quarterback, yesterday as he and his team look to go back-to-back at the Super Bowl. We have seen... I'm mid-question, Jarrett. You can't tell me to break mid-question. Hey, what does Patrick Mahomes have to do to be considered the GOAT? If if winning back-to-back Super Bowls... I think he needs to break, wear, Sarah, about break, 20 years. Break. I think he needs to wear a cowbell around his neck ah. and chew through a lot of uh, things that shouldn't be chewed through. He needs um, Patrick Mahomes to, be, to become the GOAT. Yes. He um, So Tom Brady's got seven Super Bowls. I think Patrick Mahomes has to finish with five. I think he gets to five. The, the talent and the athleticism and the toughness, everything he has that Tom Brady didn't have, Getting getting within to getting to five will will I think bridge that gap. For I disagree. I think he needs to win eight, or he needs to win seven faster than Tom Brady did it. Oh, okay. Sheer numbers count for me. Yeah, I I don't know about that. Joe Montana and Terry Bradshaw have the same amount of Super Bowl rings. Nobody would put them on equal footing. Bill Russell has eleven uh, championships. That's I'm not talking five about more Bill Russell. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not talking about Joe he said Montana. It matters for you. It, in this instance, it matters for me. <laughs> So style points. Style points matter, too. Jared, do we faster. still need to break, or do you want to make yeah, a point? Jared, do you want to point, Jared? Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> Sarah Cazell's got the Rush Hour reboot every morning. Coming up next, we will talk to Brock Purdy's coach at Perry High School. Preston Jones, kind enough to join us, and he'll do it next here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Hey, it's Wolf. Super Bowl 58 is just days away. So how well do we know both of these teams? We'll test our Super Bowl smarts on today's Wolf and Luke show, 10 to 2 on Arizona Sports. You know, last year when I first got in, you know, there was times where I feel like I really wasn't, you know, playing the position of quarterback like I, like I needed to and wanted to. I feel like I was... You know, sort of quick to get out of the pocket at, at, at some points and, and, and rush out and not trust progressions and trust the boys up front. So I feel like this year I've done a little bit better of a job of staying within the pocket, going through some reads, taking some check downs, throwing the ball away when I need to. Sprock Purdy just days away from uh, starting a Super Bowl for the San Francisco 49ers against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, we've talked a lot about it. We'll continue to talk about it uh, on tomorrow's show. But an interesting viewpoint here. Brock Purdy, of course... Local high school legend at Perry High, his high school coach, Preston Jones, kind enough to join us this morning here on the Arizona Sports Line. Preston, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. We're excited. Yeah, this perspective has got to be just surreal for you, uh, seeing the development from a young age. And, you know, Brock Purdy still gets, uh, you know, a a lot of guff for looking like uh, he's a teenager. I can only imagine when you first crossed paths with Brock what he looked like. Can you tell us some stories from from the the early days? (laughs) Well, our our freshman staff in the summer said, man, we, we think we had a really good quarterback coming in. So I was excited to see him and first time the freshman come in the weight room and I get to to work with him, I kept asking, which one is he? Yeah. Which one is he? You know, I was expecting to see some monster walk in with an imposing body, and uh, they had to point him out. And I said, him? And uh, they said, yeah. And he said, you'll see. And uh, it, it didn't take long to, to realize he's a lot different. What uh, what characteristics, what traits did he show early on that people are now noticing now, given his success with San Francisco? I, I think his uh I always say he was an old soul, man. He he was uh wise beyond his years and he had just a demeanor about him that uh that most freshmen in high school didn't or sophomores or juniors or seniors. He he had a really unique uh ability to be a friend and be a pal and joke around and goof off in the locker room, but uh boy when it was time to practice or get in the weight room and do stuff he was he was 100% work and business and uh, did the same thing with his teammates, held his teammates accountable. And, uh, you know, most times teenagers don't, aren't able to do that. They, they have a hard time drawing the line of when to be a buddy and, and when to try to lead someone. And he, he had that ability. It's just a gift that uh, he's had. And he's so mature. And, you know, this second year in the NFL, I think if you watch him play, you wouldn't think this was his second year in the NFL. You know, the kid plays like a veteran. Preston Jones, Brock Purdy's uh, high school coach at Perry High, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. I mean, it, it might be unfair to ask this question now, but uh, did you ever, during Brock's time at Perry, uh, think of him, like, look, this is a surefire NFL starting quarterback? Or if, if that did occur to you, what was kind of that moment or that, uh, that, that instance that led you to believe that? You know, I, I never did, and that wasn't, uh, anything of his fault it was it was my fault just because yeah i never coached a a division one quarterback let alone an nfl quarterback mm-hmm. and so uh me coaching and saturdays and sundays working 10 to 14 hour days i didn't get to watch a lot of nfl and so i didn't know what kind of level but we knew he was better than anybody in the state of arizona and we knew that there's a lot of guys in the state of arizona getting offers um, once he got that opportunity and went up there and started playing 
and we saw how he could play at that next level at, at big time college football, and he was just as good or better than everyone he played with. And we said, "Wow, yeah, well, these are the guys who go to the NFL. Why, why, why can't he do it?" You know. And then there's one of those things once he got that shot, got drafted, and I saw watched him in preseason games. I said, "This kid's just as good or better than half the starters in the NFL after yeah. watching some NFL." So I wouldn't have said it when he was young, but I. I Never even crossed my mind because I just don't look at those guys as an NFL kid. You know, I just was worried about the next week. Preston, uh, this is kind of water under the bridge, but I know that Herm Edwards not that long ago kind of mentioned how he recruited uh, Brock Purdy to ASU, and there was a lot of people said, no, no, that's not quite exactly how it went down. What do you recall on that and that missed opportunity for the Sun Devils back in the day? You know, there, that was, the I believe, the year they transitioned from uh, Coach Graham to Coach Edwards. So, mm-hmm. Coach Edwards, get, I mean, especially high school quarterbacks, that, that ship has sailed, man. They they get kids offered as sophomores, juniors, seniors. So, when you're talking at Thanksgiving, Christmas time of a kid's senior year, uh, no, they didn't offer them. They, they had no interest in them. But at the same time, uh, they're not usually recruiting quarterbacks at, at that time. But mm-hmm. uh, they had an assistant coach on the staff, Donnie Yanis, who had been a longtime high school coach who was an assistant there, and he was battling trying because he knew. You know, he had coached some pretty good high school quarterbacks who went on and played at the college level, and he knew what kind of quarterback he wanted to, but, you know, he's the young, dumb high school coach. So, uh, <laughs> Coach Edwards, not, not, I, don't, I don't blame the guy. I mean, he's not the only college. I told a reporter one time, Brock's senior year, I said, there's going to be a lot of college coaches uh, walking down the street kicking a can because they don't have a job <laughs> because of their recruiting problems. And, uh and there are a lot. There's, yep. There are uh, a lot of guys missed on them. Yeah. But that's all right. Yeah, no doubt. There's not a lot missed on them. But, uh, you know, go back to that time as a head coach of a quarterback who's going through that process. And you said you you identified it early. He's better than most of the guys in the state of Arizona. How frustrating was that for you? How frustrating was that whole process for Brock? You know, uh, it was really frustrating. Uh, it was really frustrating because, you know, those called when Brock got his mono at the start of his junior season and lost so much weight and lost all his strength. So when he came back, his, his film didn't pop. I mean, he was incredible accuracy, his numbers. I mean, what he did with the ball and how he played was crazy. But when the ball floated for 20 yards instead of being on a line, it was a lack of strength. And it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what you tell the college coaches, they're going to form their own opinion. And uh, once they came out in spring ball, I said, man, he's a lot bigger now. So yeah, remember we we had this conversation. He's gained his weight back. Boys, that ball comes out of his hand. I said, yeah, I remember he was weak because he had mono. They didn't want to listen. But uh, it was very frustrating. But I will tell you this, in typical Brock Purdy fashion, man, he handled it much better than his football coach, and he probably handled <laughs> it much better than, better than his parents. He, he led us down that, like, it's going to be okay. It's going to wow. be okay. It's, it's going to work out. And he – he kept me much more calm. Without him, I I probably would have been worse off. And I think his parents. I think he helped his parents stay calm through the whole through the whole recruiting process as well. That's great. All right, last question. I saw in an interview once, and I loved it. You you referred to Brock as a servant leader, and and that kind of vibe certainly comes off him when you watch him with the 49ers. I know this is very very special uh, for the high school for you. What do you guys? What, how how is the community rallying around this event? Are you guys all getting together on Sunday? What's going down um, in terms of that? Well, uh, today the kids don't know every student in our school and every teacher and every custodian and security guard and faculty member is getting a, a Brock Nation Perry built Super Bowl t-shirt. <laughs> so they're all getting passed out to the whole school today. Friday they're wearing them. 
today after school, they're unveiling uh, our street. It's Perry Puma Drive, the little stoplight out in front of our. It's going to be uh, Brock Purdy Drive. Wow. Uh, today so they're gonna unveil that so they're they're really excited you know the kids some of them they they don't know it's just they a lot of the high school kids they were in elementary so unless they had an older sibling they don't know much about them but the faculty is yeah. just ecstatic you know but uh i don't know where everyone's watching i know where i'm gonna be watching i'm gonna be sitting in the stadium going crazy nice. and uh nervous as heck yeah enjoy this that's, yeah, uh, this that's is such a great, great visit, story. thanks so much preston for joining us we really appreciate it Absolutely. You guys have a good one. Thanks, you too. Preston Jones, who was Brock Purdy's head coach at Perry High School, where it all started. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Big's got your blast coming up Fire! next. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.